Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 11th of February 2024. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Tommy continued our series looking at the wisdom of Proverbs and he looked at apples of gold. The readings are Proverbs chapter 9 verses 1 to 6 and chapter 25 verses 11. So we'll go and join Tommy as he's introducing some prayers. I'll lead us in a time of prayer and intercession. Father, I just want to continue the, the prayer that just took place so we pray your blessing upon these young people. Among all our under-18s, that, Lord Jesus, that they would love you more. That their desire would be to serve you. That their desire would be to lift up high the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we pray over all the different groups. And each one, you'll be speaking by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that you'll be speaking into their hearts. That the things they hear and the activities they do and the truths they ponder, they would all draw them nearer to you. In Proverbs it says, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they shall not depart from it. Lord, we pray that for our young people, you would train them up in the way they should go. And that you'd equip all of us in our part, in our role training up our young people. We pray your blessing upon them. Lord Jesus, we know how much you love them dearly. And in the New Testament, you say such seems harsh words against those who lead your little ones astray. That's how much you love them. And so Jesus, would you help us to love them more? Help us to love them as you love them. To care for them as you care for them. To raise them up as the sons and daughters of the living God. Bless our young people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we, as a church, we come to you in the recognition that there are so many people struggling at the moment in our congregation. We pray for the Wilsons, for your hand upon their family at this time, for comfort, for peace, for healing and restoration. We pray for Steve as well. We pray for your blessing upon them. Both him and his wife. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you bring healing. We pray, Jesus, for your healing touch to be upon them. Pray for Pete Ward, who went into hospital earlier this week. And pray for your 
your hand to be upon him. That you'd come for him and speak to him. Lord Jesus, we pray for your protection over this congregation. In a world where the enemy, the spiritual powers, hate those who who speak the truth, hate those who seek to live like Jesus and to love as Jesus did, would would you protect us? And Lord Jesus, would you give us the strength to carry our difficulties? As, as, as Brother Yun, um, Chinese evangelist, um, once said, do not, do not pray necessarily that the, that the weights will be lifted off our backs, but pray that you give us the strength to carry the load. Lord Jesus, would you strengthen us? Give us the courage and the, and the, and the perseverance and the, and the diligence and the, and all the things of wisdom, Lord, to, 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 to draw near to you and to be strengthened by you and to have you as our firm foundation, to have you as the cornerstone upon which we build our lives. May you be the rock that we build our lives upon so that when the storms and the wind and the floods come, our house which is built upon the rock will not be washed away. And Lord Jesus, we, 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 we sit here and we stand here and we come here before you with anticipation over what it is that you'll be doing in our church. Often things are difficult because the enemy doesn't like what's about to happen. So Lord Jesus, would you help us to be attentive to what it is that you're saying? Give us the heart and the desire to love you with all, all of who we are and to love our neighbor as ourself. And as we are pondering as a church what it means to, to gather and to go, to gather as your people and to go out into to Minehead, into Somerset, into England, the world, Lord Jesus, would you, would you be stirring up, stirring up in our hearts those things that you've, you've planted there? Lord Jesus, would you bless us as we seek to be a blessing to those around us? We pray for your, your, your blessing upon mine head. Lord Jesus, there's much deprivation and brokenness. Would you help us to be the people who bring the kingdom of God to the people of this town? May we draw nearer to you and help others to draw nearer to you. May people experience your salvation. May they experience the gospel and the kingdom of God spiritually and also physically. That by the power of your your spirit, you would help us to, to truly bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.
And Lord Jesus, we, we pray for your, your church in the UK. We pray that you would help us to be the kind of people that as, as governments seem to fail, as social programs seem to lack, as all these different things t- seem to fall short, would this be the occasion in which you call us to step up so that people will truly experience the love of Christ, that they'll truly experience fellowship and community and draw nearer to you. We pray for revival in this country. Lord Jesus, we pray for the, the, the conversion of the nation. We pray that people would come to know you in droves. A hundred angels in heaven rejoice every time one person turns to them, turns to the Lord. Lord Jesus, over the next season, over the next years, decades, century in this country, would hundreds of millions of your angels be rejoicing as millions upon millions of your, of your children return to you and become followers of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, as we, as we desire this, as we earnestly seek this, would you help us here in Minehead to, how, to do our part? Help us to do our part and to truly be the image of God to other people, to image the glory of God to other people, to image his blessing to other people. Let's close in prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer together in whatever version you feel comfortable. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you is kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in an attitude of worship and prayer. So if you want to stand for this, that's fine. If you want to stay seated... That's fine. We're just going to continue in that sense of prayer. Hide me now under your wings. built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. 
Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Amen. I've been looking forward to this one. Now, it was, it was wonderful because when we were, me and Paul were pondering what we were going to preach on as a series, and we were thinking about wisdom, um, Paul didn't know that uh, this was my favorite Bible verse, uh, and so it was very, very much confirmation for me from the Lord that this is something that the Lord wants to speak of, Proverbs 25, 11. And it is my favorite Bible verse uh, from Proverbs. Uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. For me, when I read this verse, it, it gives me such wonderful joy. Um, and whenever, just like a movie, when you have your certain, your favorite movie and you have your favorite scene in your favorite movie, whenever I come to reading the book of Proverbs again, I always look forward to coming back to this verse. And I, I hear you pondering, perhaps, that what are apples of gold in a setting of silver? What does that mean? And a word fitly spoken, what does that mean? Well, we'll get into that, as we always do. But first, just a little recap over what, our, what we've been going over in, the, in our wisdom series in Proverbs. So in the first week, Paul talked about trust. Proverbs, five, uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It's here that we see that the fear of the Lord, trusting in the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. So the one who is wise is one who trusts in the Lord and trusts in him to make his path straight. Bear with me. There we are. <laughs> I should have stapled it. Um, the next one was integrity. Uh, Proverbs uh, 11.3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The question here is, as wise people, do we have the wisdom to have the integrity not to compromise on God's ways for our lives? Do we fully present ourselves to other, others in integrity, or do we only give them half the picture? To be a wise person of integrity is to fully trust in God and to not compromise on who we are to others. Then Paul talked about diligence. And generosity. In generos the one with generosity, it talks about how, for us, as people who are wise, we trust in the Lord's provision. And to be generous is to, to be a blessing to those around us and be rejoicing, be joyful whenever we are a blessing to those around us, to be generous. And then there was diligence. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Labor. Oof. 
in this world that is broken, in this world there, where there is difficult times and challenges and questions, it's important that we're diligent in our relationship with God. It's important that we're diligent in making God the main thing and trusting in him. And so, we come to Proverbs 25.11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. This verse, whilst it's a wonderful verse by itself, I think it makes a lot more sense when read in the selection of four verses from verses 11 to 14. So I'm just going to read that out for us. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. So in all of these different similes, of which Proverbs 25.11 is one, we kind of get this idea of all these natural phenomena, whether it's apples of, golden apples or clouds and wind and rain, these things are recognized as good or bad. And then, and then they're applied to human behavior. And then there's a spiritual judgment given based off of that. So if I was to read them in reverse, kind of in paraphrase, from verse 14 to verse 11, verse 14 is kind of like, in a dry climate such as Israel, when clouds of winds come, they seem to promise rain. When they do not deliver, it's a disappointment. The lesson is, don't promise with your words gifts and then fail to give them. Do not say one thing with your words and then do another thing with your actions. Verse 13, it talks about how a cold drink or the cool of the winter snow is refreshing in a time of summer and hard work. The lesson is that a faithful messenger who speaks what they are entrusted with speaking can be very refreshing to the person who's counting on them. Verse 12, a wise rebuke is like an ornament of gold. Rebuke is often offensive to the one who receives it. When you're challenged on your behavior, on your actions, it can be quite, quite uncomfortable. However, just as earrings of gold are an enhancement to the ear, so should a genuine rebuke be a benefit to the listener. How our words can be used to actually challenge as well. And, I, and I, for me, as someone who's pastoring over this church, of course we are to be a welcome church, a welcoming church, somewhere where people feel they can come and experience God without judgment. But there's also the importance of being the person who has the wisdom to use our words in a way that can rebuke when necessary, as was the case with Jesus. And so, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the setting of silver. A wise word spoken at a proper time, that's a thing of beauty. I don't know about you guys, but there's perhaps occasions where you're in a discussion with a group of people, and, and maybe it's an, a heated argument, 
or you're not sure where to go forward in whatever the discussion is. And then suddenly someone who hasn't really spoken says exactly the right thing. Perhaps they've been sitting back, you know, just observing everything that's going on. And then they might say something like, well, have you considered this? And then suddenly it's like, ah, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And so why apples of gold? Well, apples of gold in a setting of silver, that's gorgeous. And in the, in the, in the ancient world, it could be referring to like golden fruit, luscious golden fruit. And in a time in a place in Israel where there's hardly any, you know, you don't get this stuff regularly. To have an, an apple of gold served to you on a silver platter, that's lovely. However, it could also mean, if you go on to the next image, it could be referring to golden pictures carved into silver. And so in this way, it complements. So a word, a good word, said at the right time, is like golden apples or golden fruit infused into silver ornaments. It's perfect. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. It's exactly what you need to hear. It's exactly what you need. However, you know, I, I don't own any golden ornaments fused into silver, silver sculptures or whatever, um, and I don't think I could claim it on expenses either as a, as a, as a trainee minister. Uh, we can't afford it. Um, <laughs> but I... Um, I was thinking, what would be a modern-day example of like this apple of gold presented on a setting of silver? What would be like a modern-day example? And I was thinking of, of um, a couple weeks ago where I went for a hike on the Brecon Beacons. So I was uh, on a college retreat, and we um, did a 12-kilometer walk up and down a, a hill in the, in the Brecon Beacons. And it was quite windy. It's quite intense. Um, there was one or two occasions even where, as we were going up the side of the hill, the, the wind picked up and literally took us off our feet. Um, it, was, it was a bit bonkers, actually. And then, and then there's also a bit of rain interfering with our joyful day as well. And so there was this moment where, where our leader, he had almost this, um, this sort of like parachute. You know, you know the parachutes in, in children's church where you, you chuck a ball in the middle and then you lift it up and, and you're, 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 the ball's going around and then they lift up the parachute and then everyone goes underneath and, and then they sit on the corners and they make a little makeshift tent. So essentially what the guy had was a waterproof version of that that could be packed into a little bag. So he took it, he unraveled it, we all lifted it, went underneath, sat on the bottom and then we were completely shielded from the rain. And the wind. It's one of those moments where the wind just suddenly went silent. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And we were all, we were all sat in this little parachute. And you know, we were all quite cold. Do you know what you really need when you're, when you're cold? A nice cup of tea. And so someone popped open a huge flask and gave us a warm drink in, in the freezing cold. And it was exactly what we needed. In that moment. And it was amazing because all of our, our, we were all a bit down, but the moment we had a cup of tea, we all almost sort of got cheery again. You know, we were smiling and, and whatever. And so we all shared the hot drinks around. And in my head, I was like, 
A word fitly spoken is like a hot drink on the side of a cold mountain. It's exactly what was needed in that moment. Exactly what was needed to change the situation, to transform the situation. And so, in my head, I was like, okay. As I was preparing for the sermon, I was thinking of that, and I was thinking about, what does it mean to, to say a word at the right time, in the right moment? Um, did I have any examples? And I did have one example. I was, I was in... I was on mission work. I was doing a short-term mission trip with my old church, and we went to Albania for a couple of weeks, and we were on this long drive from, from the airport to the main city. And, um, and there was a discussion in the group um, in the car. It, would, it, would, uh, it was this young Christian couple that were part of our church, and they were just talking about, um, they were talking about what's appropriate in a relationship and, and, and whether they, you know, what's appropriate in a relationship physically, sexually. And so I was kind of there, and I was like, I wanted to chip in because I had the Bible verses in my head or whatever it was. And, <laughs> and it was really weird because there was like five or six of us in this car. And then all of a sudden, I just really felt almost like, the God, almost like God had put a leash on me and said, Tommy, I don't want you to speak. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> if you've spent any more than like five seconds of me you know I like to talk um, but I was kind of in this moment where I was I've, I wanted to say what I wanted to say but I, I felt like God was saying don't and then so the four or five people in the car with me they were, they were having this discussion back and forth well I don't know is a, I'm not, not too sure what to say about that and, and it went on for like 20 minutes and I was sat there and then, then the conversation kind of went quiet because it went to like a, a standstill. They didn't know where to progress. And then one of the leaders looked at me and was like, Tommy, what do you think about this? And then it was like the leash was, I felt, okay, now I can speak. And then, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful conversation we had. And, 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 and it was one of those moments where it was exactly what was needed in that moment, to be said, um, it was really—it was a really, really profound moment, and it got me thinking. You know, a word said at the right time can be really, really profound. It can be exactly what is, what is needed. And for me, as someone who likes to talk a lot—and by the way, just just as a just as a caveat, I'm fully aware that when I'm talking about our need to be measured with our words and perhaps to talk less, I'm, this is also a challenge to myself. Um, I'm fully aware of that. So, so, so as we go, on, go into this, know that I'm challenging myself as I am you guys. So, um, yeah. So uh, this, this principle of, of, of speaking and, and knowing when to say what to say because it's not necessarily that it's not necessarily that what you're saying is bad, but it's also about timing. It's about when to say it as well, knowing when to speak and when not to speak. And this is something that's found throughout Proverbs. So, um, warning: I'm going to give you ten different verses throughout Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that talk about this similar principle. 
So Proverbs 10:19 it says, "When someone speaks a lot, sin abounds, but whoever restrains their lips is wise." Which is to say, if you if you just talk a lot, eventually you're going to say something really stupid. But that, that, I, I say that as someone who's done that on occasion. Um, more recent than I'd like to admit. Um, Proverbs 17:28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When they close their lips, they're deemed intelligent. Bluntly speaking, to 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 be able to control what it is that you say, that is wise. To have control over your tongue is a wise thing. And there are those people that I know that I haven't heard. I, there's people that I've known for months and I've not heard them say a word. You know, and I think, and in my head, I'm like, when they do speak, I'm going to pay attention to what it is they say. You know. Proverbs 13:3. Whoever guards their mouth preserves their life. The one who opens their lips comes to ruin. Oof. Um, there's something there about, again, having control over what it is that we say, guarding our mouth, because it's actually a really, to guard it is to take care of it and to preserve it and also to make sure that nothing comes out that shouldn't come out. I think of going back to Genesis 1, as I always do, the Lord speaks and things are created. It's almost like a king who says, I want this, this, uh, this building created here. I want this garden created here. I want this thing created here. The, lo- the, the king speaks and it happens. And then when he creates humans made in his image to continue the process that he has done, he, he, he gives that, that role to, to, to the humans. They, they name the creatures. They have, they have the power to be God's representatives and to use their words to change the situation around them, to change the environment around them. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Mm. Do not be rash with our words. Perhaps take a moment to stand back and consider what it is that we want to say. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in speaking their opinion. There's a challenge there, because the reality is, if we're speaking, we're not listening. In James, it says, let us be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. There is a wisdom there in, in, in the desire to Actually seek to learn from others who think differently from you. Actually seek to understand what it is other people are saying before you say your point. That's something I've had to be, I've been made, over the past few years I've been made very aware of this reality that I need to be someone who listens to what others have to say before it is that I just express my opinion. Whoever restrains their words in Proverbs 17 27, whoever restrains their words has knowledge, and whoever has a cool spirit is a person of understanding. Oh, there's this thing of, rest- of, of restraint, of being careful. 
In, in Psalm 141, it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I've got three more. Proverbs 29.20. Do you see a person who's hasty with their words? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Oof. It's challenging. <laughs> But the reality is if someone, we have to be careful with our words because if we just say what comes from the top of our mind, just say whatever we want, speak our mind, that can be quite damaging to other people, especially when we say something that we didn't mean to say. Um, personal example, I know, I know someone, um, not in this context, who they struggled with... Um, anorexia, and it was a, it was a, 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 long, a year, multiple, like a decade-long struggle. But what started it off was just a passing comment from someone saying, "Oh, you've put on a bit of weight," and in their mind, that was what triggered it. Now, obviously, there were other factors involved. It's not just one word, but reality is, we have to be so careful with our words. Be, be gracious with our words. Let our words be, as it says in Colossians, seasoned with salt. Because our words have power. I do feel the sense of challenge in the room. Uh, uh, but it's really, uh, this is a time of, I think we need challenge as well as encouragement. Um, so one final big chunk is what I've been alluding to perhaps. And for you Bible nerds out there, you might have figured I was going to come to this passage. But it's in James chapter 3. You have your Bibles or online. James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Right. So, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what they say, they are a perfect man able also to bridle their whole body. If we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs it. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile, sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by humanity. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? 
Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is all a long-winded way of saying um, our words have power. In the right context, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. It's like a hot drink on the side of a cold mountain. And so we have to realize that our words, we need wisdom in how to use our words. We need to pray to God to give us the right words to say. We need to pray to God that he would use us to transform the environment around us through our words. And I know this has been, this is a bit of a challenge. This has been a bit of a challenge and but it's also a great opportunity for encouragement as well. Because we can use our words to transform those around us. I can think of those people in my life who it was a, it was a small statement, maybe it was a few words, maybe it was a minute-long conversation. But I can think of those people in my life that have led me to who I am today. And that I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the encouraging, transforming words of those around me. And, and I can think of those people who, because they had the wisdom to know when to speak and not just what to say, it meant that whenever I did listen to them, there was almost like an excitement, an anticipation. Oh, wow. What, like, even as they were speaking to me, I'd be like, okay, what are they going to say next? You know, Because I'm excited to hear what it is they have to say. And don't we want to be those kind of people? The kind of people that when people listen to us, they listen to us. That when people hear that what we have to say, they take what we say seriously. But they also take it with excitement that the Lord will be speaking through us. There's a, there's a real genuine excitement for us as people made in the image of God. God's representatives there should be a sense that when people come to see us and to meet us, not only will there be, they'll, not only will they see godliness through our actions and the way we conduct ourselves, but even by the way in which we speak, there should be a sense that, wow, God is speaking through that person, or they are a person who loves Jesus. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are temples of the living God. The Spirit dwells in us if we trust in the Lord Jesus. So if the Spirit's dwelling in us, the same, the same God who breathed the universe into existence, who literally said words and things came into being, that same God dwells in us. That's so exciting. But it's also a, it's a challenge. It's a responsibility. Um, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Said, said, um, said Spider-Man's uncle to Spider-Man. Um, you know, I said, you know, I said with great privilege, I was like, oh no, you just quoted Spider-Man. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> with great privilege, <sighs> God has given us a great privilege and a great responsibility as people made in his image, to be his representative to the world. And so that should manifest itself 
in the way we speak. It has to. It has to. And we need, and again, I'm saying this to myself as well, we need to ponder how it is that we're using our words to build others up, to encourage one another, to bless one another, to challenge one another, and on occasion to rebuke one another. Jesus Christ, who is perfect, he is perfect, that's what we believe here, there were times where he had to say challenging things to the people that needed to hear it. And so we need wisdom to know the, when to say what. And also to learn the, learn the, the balance of, you know, of, of knowing when to say things and being content also to be silent sometimes when it's necessary. To go back to my analogy of the flask on the mountainside, it, it, that, that flask was opened up at the moment it needed to be opened up when we were all having a coffee under a tent. If someone had kept the flask open the whole time, just letting the heat out all the time, when it, came, when it would come time to us having a drink, I'd be very irritated. <laughs> uh, and so there's a, say, there's a sense in which, Lord, do I need to speak all the time? Do I need to always put my opinion in every time? There is a power that comes. There's a power that comes with saying things when they need to be said and knowing when to say it. Because when you say it at the right time, it's very, very powerful. <sighs> and as, we, as we've read clearly, this isn't just a thing of the Old Testament. This is something that Jesus makes very clearly to us. In Matthew 12, he says, I tell you this, you must give an, account, give an account on judgment day for every idle word you have spoken. These words you say will either acquit or condemn you. That's the challenge that Christ brings to us. That every word we say, he remembers. Every word. And then Paul says in Ephesians 4, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as is good for building each other up, as fits the occasion. Just notice that there. That it may give grace to those who hear it. I'd like to think that when someone walks in here, they'll feel welcome. But as they get to know us as a congregation, as they get to know the Lord Jesus, they would think, those people, they're the kind of people who are gracious with their words. They know what to say and when to say it. And so, to conclude, do we need wisdom here this morning in how we need to use our words? In one sense, it's yes, absolutely, all the time. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> are your words the kind of words that are gracious and bring life to others? Do you need the wisdom, not necessarily with what to say, but when to say it?
Are we okay sometimes perhaps holding the silence, even if it makes us feel slightly uncomfortable? I'll conclude with this final, final Bible verse from Colossians 4, verse 6. Because in this verse, it says that words that are said at the right time will give grace to the hearer. Paul says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Because a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I feel the challenge, we feel the challenge that comes with the responsibility of using our words in a way that glorifies you and honors others. In a world where people are encouraged to just say what's on their mind, to shout over each other, to try and put down one another, to talk behind each other's backs. May we be the kind of people who are gracious in our wording, who honor one another, who are quick to listen, who are slow to speak, who are slow to anger. May the words that we say bring joy. May the words that we say create life. May the words that we say transform the environment around us. Lord Jesus, we need you so, so desperately. And so we ask that you would give us the wisdom, the wisdom of words, of what to say and when to say it so that the name of Jesus Christ may be glorified and that people may grow to love you more. Mm. And for anyone here maybe today who is struggling with words or they feel convicted by what's been said, I feel convicted. Um, I just want to say I feel the Lord saying he's excited for you feel that the Lord's saying he's excited that he's chosen you as one of his representatives, as one of the people made in the image of God. Be encouraged that God can use you for wonderful things and do wonderful things through your words. And for anyone here who's not a follower of Jesus, who is exploring or is pondering, I would encourage you, Jesus Christ is the most wonderful source of wisdom in a world that is very unwise. If we recognize our brokenness to him, we turn to him in repentance of our sins and acknowledge that he is the the truly wise one. If we acknowledge him, he will bring us into his kingdom and use us as, as people in his kingdom to bring life. So, Lord Jesus, we pray your blessing upon our words.
and that you give us the wisdom to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to mynhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.